Duplicates. While we often like to think of ourselves as completely unique beings with things that are just ours, when you break it down, most of us like to find something or someone that we can share those things with. A like mind, similar experiences, sometimes even just compatible physical characteristics. The desire for a second, a connection, calls to us at our cores. I am calling from Elm Lake. Listeners, I am back in the broadcast studio. It's safe here. At least, I think it is. And if I'm being honest, I don't really know for certain that it isn't safe out on the streets. All I do know is that something strange is going on in Elm Lake, and I need to describe it without interruption. Honestly, I could do with some interruption. Because whatever Jorge did, I'm having a tough time wrapping my head around it. If that Fowler woman would just stop by, her basket swinging on her arm to drop some morsel of information, that would be fantastic. Or if Amelia would come out this way, doll in tow with freshly brewed tea, it would help unlock these stiffening muscles. Heck, at this point, I wouldn't even be upset by a door-to-door solicitation from Samantha or Marissa, bringing their wares around for more of Elm Lake to see. Actually, the more I think about that, maybe it's for the best. Jenny would probably be okay, because she doesn't have a doll, but I don't know about the rest. There's something a little unsettling about those creations from the glass eye. But, dear listener, I'm getting ahead of myself. I came here to relay what happened in Elm Lake and what continues to happen, or at least was continuing as I made my way here. You see, Jorge duplicated the moon, a full second moon hanging in the sky just a little off the side of the first moon. 
At first, it was beautiful. Two full moons, two silvery disks high in the night sky, casting their cool light down upon us. The town was looking up, their attention wrapped. And who wouldn't be? After all, Jorge had worked something close to magic, and it gave the Moon Festival that air of authority it was always lacking. That was it first, though. Slowly, some of us pried our eyes away from the moons. After all, aside from the sheer beauty of seeing two full moons in the sky, they really weren't doing much of anything else. Yes, it was gorgeous to see, but I don't know if you're aware of this, the moon doesn't really do anything overt in the sky. It's just there, reflecting light. So some of us looked around. I was one of them, perhaps with my journalistic instincts having taken over. That's when my eyes fell on the first disturbing thing. The dolls that had come with some of the residents weren't looking up at the moon. This shouldn't seem strange since they are just dolls and they don't move of their own volition. At least, that's what you'd think. Because the dolls were actively not looking at the moon. Some were looking at the ground, some were looking at their owners. Amelia's was clearly looking at her. But none of them were looking at the moon. While there haven't been a lot of dolls procured from the glass eye as of yet, odds are that at least one of them should have been looking at the moon. The fact that none of them were caused me to look back up in order to make sure I wasn't going to miss something important that they wanted to avoid seeing for themselves. That's when the second moon flashed. Was it the first? It certainly wasn't both, but just the one on the right. It flashed. Then it pulsed. And then, oddly, it started pulling away, separating itself from the other moon. As it pulled away, I almost felt as though a part of me was being pulled away too. And that our buildings were pulling away. The streets, the food, even the sounds. Everything seemed to be getting tugged slightly, with growing insistence. I snapped my eyes away from the moons again, 
This time, instead of looking towards any of the dolls, I tried to find Jenny and Amelia in the crowd. Amelia was easy to spot since I'd already honed in on her doll. I saw it in her arms, and I saw her gazing at the moons. I had to blink, because for a moment I thought I was seeing two of her. But that was clearly just something caused by overtired eyes and the excitement experienced within the festival. Then I tried to find Jenny, who was much harder to track down. No doll, and as it turns out, keeping her head down, looking for new items to add to her basket. I saw her grab just the right of something, place an item in her basket, and look around again. She pulled a hood low over her head and looked like she was fighting to keep herself from looking up. I don't know why or how, and I couldn't get close enough to learn what she was trying to avoid. Giving up on trying to get close to Jenny, I scanned the crowd again. I saw Jonas frantically rushing around, trying to get his dolls back into their cases, all while staring at the moon. I saw Angus looking up, slowly petting his doll, its jagged edges cutting his hands open with every drag of his fingers over its carved flesh. Wait, not flesh. Of course not flesh. It's a doll. I simply couldn't come up with a better word for the covering over the top of the doll. And I certainly didn't see its eyes watching his hands that moved, nor did I see a small smile creep across the doll's face. Must have been tricks of the light caused by the dual moons. On the outside of the crowd, my eyes finally fell on the twinned shapes of Samantha and Marissa, watching the moon festival from a short distance. They kept themselves apart from the people in town, and they, like the dolls, didn't seem to feel a draw to look towards the moons. Marissa leaned towards Samantha, and it looked like she said something. Samantha shook her head, indicated down into the crowd, and then seemingly said something in return. At that, Marissa's eyes grew wide, and they appeared to flash of their own accord, catching the light of the moon as it shone down on the two of them. They then walked in unison, turning around and heading away, presumably towards the glass eye. As the two of them left, I looked back at the rest of the citizens again, still feeling that tugging of separation, but trying to find Jorge. He was still near his machine, with its switches and dials and flashing lights. I rubbed my eyes again, for a moment thinking I was seeing a twin standing next to Jorge, 
and a twin of the machine itself. I was definitely getting tired, and so was I. Wait, why did I say it like that? That doesn't make any sense. I clearly need to sleep, and we'll definitely get to that once I've detailed the rest of what happened. Anyway, I saw Jorge and his shadow exulting in what he had done. He was shouting something about unlocking the secrets of duplication, of creating doppelgangers, some sort of magic previously held locked into the existence of twins. He looked mad, raving, staring at the moons, his arms wide as he spun in circles. That was when one of the moons started to change color. The silver faded almost imperceptibly, and the slightest tinges of red started creeping in. First from the outside edges, but slowly spreading towards the center. As the red was spreading, it was also darkening looking more and more like a bloodshot eye with every passing moment. I forced myself to look away again and rushed towards the stage, fighting through the crowd, desperate to get Jorge's attention. Failing that, I was desperate to flip the switch again, even if I was unsure of what it might do. I was still yards away from the stage, with the red film encroaching ever further over the moon. I risked a glance up and saw that the red was starting to creep towards the other moon as well, but it had some distance to cover in the night sky before it could get there. The two moons had definitely been pulling apart from each other. I don't know why I felt such horror at what may be about to happen, and suddenly I felt a jolt. Back on the stage, Jorge, or his shadow, in his enthralled celebratory dance, bumped into the machine. The switch that had been flipped leading to the creation of the second moon settled back down, as though it had never been flipped in the first place. And suddenly there was one moon. Only one moon. There was no tugging feeling within me. The residents of Elm Lake had their attentions broken, and they continued to mingle with each other as though nothing of any importance had happened. The moon festival still had some time left, and there were still new moon pies to be eaten. A few residents tried to talk to me, but I politely disengaged, knowing that I had to get myself back here so that I could try to get my thoughts down into some sort of order. The image of the reddening moon was locked into my mind. The streets seemed to carry a foreboding tinge to them as well. I looked up and couldn't find any sort of stain in the sky 
but I also couldn't help but remember the image of Angus petting his doll with his cut and bleeding hands. I saw him as I was leaving, and I couldn't see a single wound on him. There was nothing on his doll either, despite what I know I had seen. Two blocks away from the edge of the festival, I saw Marissa and Samantha again. They both had a look of disappointment on their faces, and they turned away. I thought about trying to catch up to them and ask questions, but it felt like the time was wrong for it. After all, if their time in Elm Lake has proven anything, it's that I'll be able to talk to them when things align. Until then, the glass eye and its secrets will be waiting. And, frighteningly, I think there's a chance that the red moon is waiting. from Elm Lake, episode 34, Overnight, was written and produced by Sean Monahan. The voice of Elm Lake is Sean Monahan. Opening and closing themes written and performed by Sean Monahan. All other music written and performed by Matt McInnes. Find out more at machinismusic.com. Thank you for listening to our ongoing tale. If you've enjoyed our story so far, please leave a rating and review. Word of mouth will help us continue to grow and unfold new tales in our universe. You can also join us at www.patreon.com slash callingfromelmlake to help support us as independent artists carving out our own space in this creative world. Seeing ourselves reflected in someone else can be both thrilling and terrifying. Someone who is too similar can make us feel that we're returning home, while also exposing to us those very things we've long tried to hide from. Similarities are a path to connections, and exposures to fears and solitude. Differences are valued because they can complement what we already possess. But, without similarities, we don't truly get to know who we are and what we need to strengthen.